Good morning, church. Hi, everyone. Good morning, church. My name's Ray. I'm here to give us the Bible reading today. Uh, Today's Bible reading comes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 11. So just a reminder as well, if you don't have a Bible and you you would like one, we do have some uh, free Bibles at the back there. Uh, But today's Bible reading comes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 11. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to, live, used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. This is God's word. Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Iggy. I'm one of the pastors here at CPE Church, and it's fantastic to see us all gathering together. Um, especially great to see all the new faces. If you're new with us today, a warm welcome to you. Um, we'd love to help you feel at home here at CPE Church. So. Later on, there's an opportunity for you to fill out a little Connect card. Please leave us a few details, and then we can uh, help you uh, yeah, take some next steps, find out a little bit more about church. Yeah, so make sure you do that. We'd love to get to know you better and help you feel at home here. Now, um, at the start of the year, we sat down with our kids, and we sort of talked about a few New Year's resolutions with our kids. Um, you know, anything that they'll love to uh, see happen this year, set some goals. And my son, Nathan, who's uh, seven years old now, Got a lot of kids, so I'm just trying to get that right. Seven, I believe. Uh, seven years old now. He actually piped up and he said this. This was his new resolution. He says, I'm not going to sin for this year. I'm not going to sin. And that's a good goal, isn't it? What a good... Who here would like to not sin for the rest of the year? Who, who here would like that? Who here would like that? I know I would. How good would that be? Not to sin. Not to fall into the same bad habits, the same ungodly habits that we're in, the things that we keep struggling with, to just be able to overcome those things that we've been battling. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? You know, I don't think there's anyone here who wouldn't want to stop shouting at your kids when you lose your patience. You just rage out in anger. I know I would like to stop that. None of us want to keep going back to those Videos and pictures that we know we shouldn't be watching, but we just can't seem to stop. None of us want to selfishly argue and fight with those around us, especially those who are closest to us. We don't want to break our relationships. But when we think about the scale of the task to overcome sin, it seems like it's almost impossible, doesn't it? 
How on earth can we overcome sin? Today's passage, I want to show you something. I want to show you a game changer, what I believe is key, vital in our battle against sin. We're going to see that from Colossians 3. All right, so I hope you're you know, ready uh, to get this because this is so important if we want to make progress here. Now, just to give us a bit of context where we've been, the Apostle Paul, uh, he's an early church planner, uh, early missionary, writing to a church in Colossae to the Colossian Christians. He's just been re- reminding them in the first few chapters about how amazing Christ is, how Christ is supreme. There is no one better than Christ. The gospel is what we should treasure above everything else. He is enough. We don't need anything else. That's what he's been reminding us of. And in Um, As we ended chapter 2, he actually started talking about a few different things, legalism, mysticism, asceticism, all these isms, which just means adding things to Christ. And he said, we don't need that stuff. And actually, look at this verse that he ends with. This is his final verse in chapter 2. All right. He says this, Colossians 3, 23. It says, such regulations, indeed, so he's talking about all the extra rules people are trying to do. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Did you see that line? They lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. What he's saying is this. More rules aren't the solution to stop sin. More rules aren't the solution to stop sin. This is what we have to understand, first of all, before we get into passage today. Paul, because Paul is warning the Colossian Christians about people who are trying to say, you need to do all these extra rules. You need to do all these extra things. You need to, those, these guys called the ascetics who they'll literally whip themselves to try to beat the sin out of them, to suffer so that they could overcome sin. But Paul is saying these things don't work. More rules aren't the solution to stop sin. Now, um, are there any Singaporeans in the house today? Any Singaporeans? Be proud, put your hands up, Singaporeans here today. Um, Singapore, what a country, hey? I love Singapore. Uh, I don't, most of you know my wife is Singaporean, leeching Singaporean. I love going to Singapore. Singapore's famous for a lot of things. They're famous for amazing food, Hawker Centre food. How good is that? I just miss it. Um, uh, they're famous for shopping. They're famous for these sites, Marina Bay Sands, the Merlion. I don't know if you guys know what a Merlion is. It's that thing there. Uh, <laughs> Singapore is a wonderful country, famous for a lot of things. But you know what else it's famous for? Lots of rules. Lots of rules. Um, I don't know if you've seen this chart. I don't know if all this is accurate. Singaporeans, you might want to tell me. But Singapore has a lot of fines. They call it the fine city, okay? Um, No chewing gum. That's a famous one. $1,000 fine for no chewing gum. You know, no feeding birds, no jaywalking, no spitting, no littering, no urinating in public, no eating or drinking public transport, no flushing the toilet. Is that real? I don't know. $150. Right. I don't know if that's real. I'll confirm with Uncle Eric and Auntie Betty later on. They're the experts in Singapore. Singapore is a very regulated country. It has a lot of rules. Um, but, and if you talk to any Singaporeans, they'll tell you something. They'll say that their city is the cleanest and safest in the world, right? The cleanest and safest in the world. But let me ask you a question. Do you think Singaporeans are any less sinful than the rest of the world? Singaporeans don't answer that. Okay. <laughs> Oh, seriously, do you think Singaporeans are any less sinful than the rest of the world? We have to understand something. Rules, more rules are just a band-aid solution, aren't they? They don't get to the real problem. They might restrain behavior in a little way, but you have to believe me that more rules aren't the solution to stop sin. Because when God talks about sin in the Bible, he's not just talking about the external things. He's not just talking about spitting or jaywalking or littering or lying or stealing or swearing. He's talking about the heart. 
Because the core of what sin is, is rebelling against God. It's us standing here and saying to God, stay out of our life. We don't want you in our life. Shaking our little fists, saying, we don't need you. And all our behavior flows out of that. That's the heart of what sin actually is. Which means if we want to stop sinning, we need to go much deeper than just external rules. All right? And the first point is this, is to live out who you are. Live out who you are. Friends, make sure you have your Bibles open with you. We're going to be looking to God's Word, okay? I want you to be going along with me. How the Apostle Paul starts this chapter is a reminder to the Colossians about their identity, who they are. And he does this because this is the first step that all Christians need to take. Note this, this is the first step we need to take when we need to overcome sin, which is to realize who you are. Realize who you are. So who are you? Colossians 3 verse 1. Since then, read with me along in your Bible, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And skip forward to verse 3 with me. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, two amazing things have happened. You've died, and you've been raised again. You've died, and you've been raised again. Number one, you've died. And don't worry, this is a good thing. We saw this come up in chapter 2 over and over again. This is saying that your old sinful self, the, the, the self Your old self, which was ruled by sin, by selfishness, that was captured by sin, that was bound by Satan's lies, that person is gone. They are dead, right? In Christ, they are dead. And now your life is hidden with Christ. That's what the passage is. Your life is hidden with Christ. I think Paul is giving us a picture of this, okay? I'm going to try a little bit of an object illustration. I'm not very good at these things, so uh, my wife is much better. She does Sunday school stuff, so... Think about this, all right? This is your life. Whoop, good start. It's upside down. This is your life, all right? And what Paul is saying is this, that your life is not on its own now, but what happens is that actually your life is hidden, right? Hidden with Christ. What does that mean? Your life, you can't see anymore. It's in Christ. What does that mean? It means whatever happens to Christ happens to you. You are secure with him. Because Christ has died. When Christ died, our old sinful selves died with him. When Christ raised again, our old sinful, our old sinful selves died. Now we're raised to new life. We're raised with him. What, what else is this passage? When he ascended into heaven and he's seated at the heavenly places, guess what? We go with him because we are hidden with Christ, in Christ. Whatever happens to Christ happens to us. This is the security that we have. And I want you to note carefully the tense of the words here in verse 1. Note the tense of the words in verse 1. It's not, you will be raised with Christ. It's, you have been raised with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. Now, here's the reality, friends. Here's the reality. Even though we still live bodily in this world, if we trust in Jesus, spiritually, we have already been raised with Christ. This scripture is telling us right now, even as we're gathered right here, right now, we're seated with him in the heavenly places. We belong to heaven. Now, I won't pretend to understand exactly how the mechanics of this work. How can we be physically here and how can we be in heaven at the same time, um, spiritually in heaven? Well, what I do know is this. This is what God's word tells us. 
This is the reality. That if you trust in Jesus, you are already a citizen of heaven. You are here in this world, but you are in heaven, raised with Christ spiritually as well. You are already a citizen of heaven. This is who you are. Do you realize this? Do you realize this? Friends, we need to grasp this because at the heart of the sin problem is actually an identity problem. It's because we've forgotten who we are. We don't realize who we are. We don't see ourselves rightly. If we want to overcome sin, we need to get the order of things rightly. The first step is to realize who we are. It's not about behavior modification. It's to realize who we are. And the second step is to live out who you are. Flowing on from that. Have a look at verse 1 with me again. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Remember who you are. You are someone whose old sinful self has died. You are someone who has been raised with Christ and is now seated with Him in the heavenly places. You are a citizen of heaven right now if you trust in Jesus Christ. You are a citizen of heaven already. So let's live like it. How? The first command of the passage is this. To set your hearts on things above. Set your hearts on things above. Instead of desiring the things of this world, instead of seeking sinful pleasures, love the things of heaven. Set your hearts on goodness, on holiness, on Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of God. Jesus Christ as King. What is your passion? What is it that you love? Well, if you realize who you are, that you are a citizen of heaven, that you belong to heaven, then it can be for nothing less than Jesus Christ. But also verse 2, here's the next command in this passage. There's a multiple commands in this passage. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Let me ask you, friends, what's been on your mind? What's been on your mind? Are you daydreaming about your next overseas holiday? especially since COVID restrictions have lifted. Are you thinking about work, all the work you have to do, or maybe all the work you need to do to progress, to move to the next better job? Are you thinking about how you can achieve the best marks in school? Because there's pressure for that. You know? Are you thinking about how you can uh, succeed? You know? are, you thinking about, are you obsessing about your kids, maybe? Maybe that's what's on your mind, how they can succeed in life, how they can flourish in school. Are you intent on making more friends, being more popular? Are you intent on finding a boyfriend or girlfriend, someone to make you complete, to be happy finally? Now, if you belong to this world, I will say all of those thoughts would be perfectly good and perfectly appropriate. Live, drink, be merry, live for the world, yeah? Enjoy, achieve, find satisfaction. But if you belong to heaven then you are to set your minds on heavenly things, not on earthly things. You are to set your minds on the things above. Set your minds on Jesus Christ. Set your minds on His mission, on His will, on His righteousness. This is who you are. And it's only when you see that that your behavior will change. I truly believe this because I believe this is what God's Word is telling us. It's only when you grasp your identity as a child of God as a citizen of heaven, 
that your, your behavior will follow. American pastor Craig Groeschel puts it like this. I like this quote. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. Isn't this true? Here's the thing. If you don't grasp firmly your identity as a disciple of Jesus, your heart and your mind will be set on the things of this world. And the more this happens, the more you will live for the things of this world. And the more you live for the things of the world, the more your identity will be reshaped to the ident- that this is who you are. You, you are someone that lives for the world. It's a vicious cycle. Because if it's what you're thinking about all the time, and it's what you're doing, you'll, be, you'll begin telling yourself that this is who you are. I am the popular funny person that everyone likes. I am the successful business owner. I am a high achiever that never fails. You will define yourself by worldly pursuits and worldly thoughts. But that's not who you are. If you trust in Jesus, if you are in Christ, you have died to sin. You have been raised with Christ. You are a citizen of heaven. You belong to heaven. That's who you are. And you need to remind yourself of that over and over and over and over again. This is vital. Absolutely vital. I want you to do that with me right now. If you are a Christian, I want you to say this next thing with me. I want you to say that I am a citizen of heaven. Say this with me right now, okay? Say this together. I am a citizen of heaven, right? Say it like you believe it. Let's do it one more time. I am a citizen of heaven. Yes, you are. If you are a Christian, you are a citizen of heaven, So let's live like it. You should be declaring this truth to yourself every day. And not because it's some feel-good, positive thinking, self-talk thing, right? This is the truth. And the truth will set you free. If you want to overcome sin, it starts right here. Realizing who you are. Believing who you are. And living that out. Which means we need to do this. We need to kill sin before it kills you. Paul goes on to address two sets of sin that seem to be prominent amongst the Colossians. Uh, firstly, there's sexual sin, and secondly, ungodly speech. All right, sexual sin and ungodly speech. This, this letter was written centuries ago to the Colossian church, but let me ask you do you think these things are still relevant? Do you think these things are still a struggle? The unfortunate answer is a big yes. Yes, they are. And at God's church is no exception. We need to listen up closely here, friends. Have a look at verse 5 with me. Colossians 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Friends, belonging to heaven means our sex lives are transformed. All of these terms in verse 5 are describing distortions of godly sexuality. They describe sexual activity out of God's beautiful plan of a committed, safe marriage, right? 
all, all these terms here, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. I think even greed here contextually is talking about a sexual greed, a desire, an appetite for more and more sexual immorality, especially. I think that's what it's saying here. And the command here is what? Do you see what the command is? Put these things to death. This is strong language. It means to squeeze the life out of all these sins. We need to kill these sins before they kill us. Do you see verse 6? Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. No wonder Paul's so serious about this. Because of these sins, there's incredible consequences. God's righteous and just anger will be poured out on those that just that live in unrepentant sin, that indulge in sexual immorality. And he doesn't want that to be our fate. That's why this warning's here. This warning is here to tell us, kill sin. Do whatever it takes to crush sin in your life. Crush it. But we all know this isn't easy. Misdirected sexual desires is a powerful thing and it's a destructive thing. Uh, This is Dr. Rosaria Butterfield. She's a former English professor who once lived uh, in a lesbian relationship and championed LGBTIQ rights for many years. But she's since come to know Jesus Christ and she she now speaks and writes about biblical sexuality. She recounts some of the things that she's seen and she's seen it all. She's talked to wives whose husbands are addicted to pornography, husbands whose wives have left them for lesbian lovers. She's talked to teenagers who send and receive explicit text messages and pictures just every day, normally. She's she's talked to best friends who frequent cyber sex sites together, cousins in sexual relationship, homeschooled children who found violent pornography on their mother's mobile phones, and much, much more. And the thing is, society around us would actually say something to that. They would say, probably for most of that, that, It's okay. This is natural. Be true to yourself and follow your desires. We're fighting the tide. We're fighting the tide. No wonder so many of us struggle with sexual sin. How can we overcome sexual sin? How can we overcome this seemingly overwhelming problem? Is it through uh, more internet filters and accountability software to keep us away from porn? Is it about having clear boundaries in our dating relationships so we don't spend time alone behind closed doors? Is it for married people to have uh, very clear boundaries about spending time alone with someone of the opposite sex? Is it maybe banning smartphones and tablets from our bedrooms? Yes. This is a key part of it. We need to do whatever it takes to kill sin. If it keeps you away from temptation, friends, let me tell you, do it. Do it. Get accountability around you. Gather brothers and sisters in Christ who can keep asking you about it. You know, do whatever it takes to kill sin. But remember that ultimately, more rules aren't the solution. We have no hope unless we remember who we are. If you are a Christian, you don't belong to sexual sin. Sexual sin is not your master. Earthly pleasure is not your master. This isn't who you are. You are a citizen of heaven. You have died to sin with Christ. You have been raised to life with Christ. You have everything that you could ever, ever need in Christ. The more we take hold of who we are, that's where our hope will come from. 
the more we actually take hold of this truth that this is our identity, the more we're going to feel a deep dissonance every time we come near sin. We're going to be thinking, this isn't who I am. This, is something, this isn't right. There's something feels off here. There'll be a clash of our soul, you know, whenever sin tempts us. And what's more, the more then we will be driven back to Jesus Christ. And when we come back to Jesus Christ, we will draw on His resurrection power. Remember, you are united with Christ. You aren't alone in this fight. He is with you every step of the way, right? Your life is hidden with Him. And He gives you the power to redirect your love and your passion away from sexual pleasure and towards Christ. It might not happen overnight, but He will transform you because you are with Him. You are united with Him. You need to kill sexual sin before it kills you, but also kill ungodly speech. Point three, take off the old, put on the new. Have a look at verse 7 with me in your Bibles. Have a look at verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. I don't know if you guys realize, but I think words actually are the most powerful weapon in this world. James 3 talks about the fact that words are like a little spark that can set off a forest fire. Right? I think we've seen that. We, we, we know this is true. Who here has ever hurt someone with their words? I know I have. When I was younger, I used to have very little self-control over my words. I used to just say whatever came to my mind, the classic no-filter thing. I used to put down people publicly in front of others. I used to make fun of them, gossip, just say inappropriate things. And I don't think I realized how destructive this was until I sat down with a friend of mine and she was in tears in front of me because I'd been slandering her, doing exactly what this passage condemns, speaking about her behind her back. It was devastating. God knows the impact of words, which is why he warns us here to just get rid of them. Those ungodly pieces of speech. The word literally here is to take them off. All right? Take them off. Read yourselves, right? Take them off. The word here, the, the image here is of taking off an old piece of clothing and throwing it in the trash and burning it. Why? Because this isn't who you are anymore. You don't walk in these ways anymore. Parents, remember this, right? Let me speak to parents right now. Remember this, when you lose your patience because you've repeated yourself for the fifth time and your kids are still ignoring you and you bang the table in rage and you shout, this isn't who you are, right? Teenagers, remember this. When you're at school and everyone at lunchtime is laughing at dirty jokes, is swearing, and you know that they're wrong, but you can't help but join in. Workers, remember this. When you're standing around at work with your colleagues and they start talking about your boss and criticizing them and putting them down, saying harsh, unloving things about them, and it's just so tempting to join in. Remember, this is not who you are. You used to walk in these ways, but not anymore. That's what verse 7 says. You used to walk in these ways, but not anymore. You are a redeemed citizen of heaven. You are a child of God. You are raised with Christ and you belong to him, which means everything about you is different now. 
So take off the old and put on the new. Have a look at verse 9 with me in your Bibles. Verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the Creator. Taking off the old self and putting on the new self. Um, I used to work at Woolworths uh, when I was younger. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, that was my first job. So I started when I was 14 years old. Um, this isn't me, it's just some other Asian guy I found <laughs> working at Woolworths online. All right, just to let you know. All right, so I used to work at Woolworths for many years. So I used to wake up at the crack of dawn on Saturdays. I used to go, I used to stack the apples for all of you guys. You'd come and mess it up again. Um, <laughs> And, you know, that was my job. And I used to wear the Woolworths uniform. I had the apron, I had the hat, I had the name badge, I had the tie. I, had a, I even had a long service badge. I was there for so long. Someone stole it. I don't know why you steal those things. You have to earn them. Anyway, so I used to work, I used to work at Woolworths for many years, but there was a point where I stopped working at Woolworths um, and I started a new job working, when I got to uni, working as a pharmacy assistant, right? And what did I do there? Well, I took off my Woolworths uniform and I put it away. All right? I put that thing away. I never touched it again. Let me tell you, I never went back to my cupboard. And I never used to pick it up and go, oh, I missed this thing. I might just put it on just for a bit of fun. I never put it on. I never went to work at the pharmacy and started stacking apples in the dispensary because that would have made no sense whatsoever. It would have been completely ridiculous. It would have been outrageous. What, what on earth would I have been doing? Because it wasn't who I was anymore. Friends, in the same way, we are called to take off our old selves with its practices and to put on our new selves. All right? Take off our old selves and put on our new selves. We have new identities. Why would we go back to our old identities? Why would we go back to our old ways of life? It doesn't make any sense. We have something so much better now, so much better. We have identities in Christ, new identities in Christ. Your identity is no longer a sinner. You are a sinner saved by grace. Let that knowledge fuel you to live out your lives for Jesus Christ. Remember who you are and may your words reflect that as you speak in love and patience and kindness. We'll talk about that more next week. As we end, I just want to end with a great word of comfort for us. A great word of comfort for us. All right. Have a look at this. Uh, Verse 10. You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator. All right. This is a really important verse. Earlier, I mentioned a bunch of stuff that's already happened for Christians in the past. The fact that we have already died to sin, that we have already been raised with Christ. These are things that have happened. They're done. All right. Nothing's going to change that. But here is something, did you notice, that is happening right now. Have a look at the verse. It's happening right now. It's not quite finished yet. We are being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of the Creator. Yes, we've taken off the old self. Yes, we've put, it on, the new, we've put on the new self. But that new self is a work in progress. A work in progress. Which is why we still stumble and fall. Which is why we are not perfect which is why sin still gets the better of us sometimes, doesn't it? But friends, when that happens, don't doubt your identity. Don't doubt that you belong to Jesus. You aren't a complete failure because you've sinned. 
you are a work in progress. God isn't expecting perfection from you right now, which is why he offers grace every step of the way. He offers forgiveness every step of the way. Friends, you might be here today, and as I've been speaking about sin, you might be weighed down with guilt and shame, especially about sexual sin, right? It's just this thing that seems completely overwhelming and shameful, you're gonna, you know, that you'll never want to bring it into the light. You might feel like you'll never be good enough for God because you can't overcome this stuff. But let me tell you, there is no sin, no sin bigger than the grace of Jesus Christ. He has died on the cross to defeat sin and completely wipe out that debt from your life if you come to him. He's nailed that sin to the cross. It's gone. It's done for. It's not counted against you. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What God wants for us, friends, is to simply keep moving in the right direction. He wants you to fix your eyes on the finishing line, right, and just walk there. He wants you to look up, set your hearts and your minds on the things that are above, where Christ is. He wants you to look to your home. This is where you belong. This is who you are. Remember this. And as you remember this and grasp it and live it out, he will keep transforming you, renewing you, day by day, little by little, to be more and more like him, recreated into the image of God. Remember who we are in Christ. We are citizens of heaven. So let's live out who we are. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the new identities we have in him. That once we lived in the ways of the world, this is who we used to be, but now we are made new. We have new identities in Christ. And he gives us the power day by day to step forward, relying on his grace to live for him. Father, help us to remember as we fight the forces all around us, the cultural forces, the society around us and the things that they say are good and right, that we have to throw these things off and to just set our hearts and minds on the things above. May you give us the grace to keep going. May you give us the forgiveness that we need as we stumble. And may we hold our only hope in heaven and the hope we have there. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Friends, we're going to enter.